Father, we come before you once more and lifting up this morning, Lord, and I pray, Father, that this morning would not just be a, another event. I pray, Lord, that it would not just be another couple study, a time in your word, or, or an exercise in, in even building a marriage, but, Father, it would truly be an awakening, a time, Father, that we would consider ourselves, Lord, consider ourselves as individuals for the benefit of the couple. And so, Father, I pray as we look at your word that these things would not go by us or over our head. But, Father, I pray that they would truly hit home. Lord, you want to do such a work in each and every marriage that is represented here. I pray, Father, that we would be open to it, not expecting our spouse, Father, to be the one to step up first, but, Father, to truly take care of the things in our individual lives that truly need to be dealt with. And so, Father, we just lift up this time this morning this remainder of our time, that it would be productive in you. So, Father, just fill us with your spirit. Give us understanding. Convict our hearts and minister to our souls, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. You can turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5. I'll be starting at verse 15. Now, keep in mind that Proverbs is written along the lines of advice that a father is giving to his son, but we need to understand, especially to make it applicable to couples, it's got to be stuff that we both gather together. Proverbs chapter 5, starting at verse 15. It says, Drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Well, the immoral woman and the seductress here would be the world and the things of the world. It says, drink from your own cisterns, but we live in a time when there's just so many cisterns so many sources, if you will, that are out there. There's taking it to an extreme. There's the pornography, and there's the female pornography, these romance stuff, speaking in general terms, and there's crossover in both areas. But here this morning, we need to focus upon the Lord that, again, the Lord would open our lives, open our marriages to ourselves, and that we would truly get an idea of, of where we're at. Because as Richard just brought these cylinders up here, these time capsules, really what is a time capsule? It's a snapshot in time. It's a snapshot of where you are at. It's kind of funny that pretty soon you're not going to be able to use the term snapshot because people won't know what it is. That was the old-fashioned cameras. You take a snapshot and boom, you would get a picture of a moment of time. Now, in, in our time capsule... And I'm sure with most of us, if not with all of us, there would be memories and history, hopes and aspirations. Things that when you looked at in the future, well, you, it would be reminded, you would be reminded of your past and the hopes that you had in the future. And so really what I need to understand and what I need to consider, the things that I fill that time capsule with and projecting to when I'm going to be opening it in the future, is it obtainable? And again, as I put these things in that I, I want to remember, and what I mean by obtainable as well, is that, is there going to be growth? 
Is there going to be growth that I can look back on that with fondness? And maybe, well, even when I filled that time capsule, maybe things weren't going all so well and we won't even make it that strong as they needed to be. But it was as I filled these things up with just things for remembrance, in the future when I look at, is there going to be that growth? I think you would see an interesting contrast between what an experienced old couple would put in theirs versus what a younger couple would put in theirs. As far as mine, what I would put in the time capsule, just generally speaking, without thinking on it too much, is, is the grandchildren and the children and the marriages that have happened and, and, and just the times together with holidays. And, and, and what a blessing, just even last Christmas when Sean came over from Arizona and everybody was there except with, with two of my uh, son-in-laws who were missing. But... Nonetheless, just to have that privilege and honor of marriage and putting effort into marriage and being able to gather together and have family there and to truly understand and realize what a legacy is. Now, for younger couples, you project in the future what a legacy might be. Well, I'm kind of getting on the older end of the perspective that I understand what a legacy is and the necessity for building that legacy. I was watching something, I can't remember even what it was, but it was about building wealth. Building wealth and the necessity of starting out early and building wealth. We've looked at the Dave Ramsey thing, and he's given us the charts of, uh, of how interest will grow our wealth and all of that and how necessary it is. And, and it's so necessary to start out early. The earlier, the better, because as you start building wealth earlier, you'll have a lot more when it comes time to retire but how much more so in our marriage? As, as I'm building the things that are necessary for that legacy, it's as you start early in doing those things and that you'll have the benefit of that legacy at the end and, and what a blessing that truly is. And there's just so many people that have ignored those initial things and they weren't able to make it to the end things. Every time I come up here, I realize my my shortcomings. I think anybody should who has the opportunity to share the Word of God and how worthy I am to come up here and share God's Word. And the only reason that I am able to is because of the grace of God. And then couple study. My wife says, oh, I really like the way you teach couple studies and all that. And I think, man, I don't want to teach another couple study. Why? Because I'm sick and tired. No, no, not because of that. No, just simply because my own inadequacies are staring me in the face with every word that I speak from the pulpit as I'm talking about couples. You may not look at my marriage and say, Pastor Mike's an absolute failure, but we should all see our shortcomings within our relationships and whatnot and where we fall short. And I, I, don't, I, I, I don't preach my life, and what I do preach is based upon the word and is the perfect life and the perfect husband and what a perfect wife needs to be. But again, it's all about the grace of God. And so I'm sure some of you have considered already what you're going to be putting in your time capsule. But what I want to consider is not so much what you want to put in, but what we can so easily leave out. We, my wife and I probably had one of the best love letters that we've had just even a few moments ago. And what were we considering? We were considering some of the things that we've left out. What are those things? Ain't none of your business. 
The main reason I don't want to tell you because I don't want my things to be your things. I want your things to be the things that you need to consider so that your thing can be all that it can be. But nonetheless, what we talked about, what we discussed, weren't the things that we were doing. They were the things that we weren't doing. Not that we didn't want to do them. It's just that life kind of gets in the way sometimes. And all of the events and all of the work and the ministry and all of that, it can so easily get in the way see in reality each day of your marriage each day of your marriage that god gives you is a brand new time capsule it's something to be filled with things that will add to your legacy and so some days are filled with lasting memories and you'll have a valued time capsule some days might be the mundane things of life, and there are times that that time capsule is going to hold things that you'd rather forget. And maybe when you go to bury it or set it aside, you'll set it deep. But the fact of the matter is, the accumulation of all the capsules is that which leads to the legacy. What is a legacy? A legacy is something that you send into the future. Something that you send into the future for realizing the benefit at that time. And so, inheritance would be a legacy. To leave inheritance to your children would be a a legacy. The advice that we give, that's to leave a legacy. And the testimony that we have leaves a legacy as well. My father, he left a legacy for me. He left a legacy of hard work. He left a legacy of some positive things and some negative things, all things that I need to consider. Some of the things that I've just kind of picked up that maybe aren't so good when my wife says, well, you sound just like your father right now. And if you want to get me to change, that's an excellent way of doing so. I don't want to be like my father. I want to be like my father in heaven. So what are essential ingredients? Essential ingredients for this time capsule that we can so easily leave out. Well, considering the capsule of your marriage, does it contain, and I've got three things. They're not Richard's things, but they're very closely related to Richard's things. I didn't know the things that Richard was going to talk about until I just heard them, but my things are affection, engagement, and intimacy. Affection, I guess you can make a correlation between that and stewardship. Engagement or connection, pretty much the same thing, and Intimacy, well, they both go hand in hand. Three essential things within a marriage necessary for building a lasting legacy. Affection. Now, don't get affection and intimacy mixed up. Affection, how happy are you to see one another when you come into the presence of one another? Maybe it's just waking up in the morning. Maybe it's coming back from work in the afternoon. Maybe it's going into one room and coming into the next room. Oh, Lord, that you would give me the affection of a dog. Because every time I've had a dog, he's always been happy to see me. If he goes and lays down and I call his name, he comes up and he's, what do you want, what do you want, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? Scratch behind my ear, scratch behind my ear. But just to have that passion with my wife. And that was, well, I will bring up, that's one of the things I can so easily come home and throw my stuff to the side and kind of be plugged into the next thing that I'm planning to do. Maybe I didn't finish a study, or maybe I finished a study, and I'm already thinking about the next study, and on the way home I thought of some things, and it's just like, hey, huh, how you doing? And, and kind of go about what it is that, that I have placed as a priority um, improperly, but nonetheless. 
We need to rejoice. And just that's what the, the idea here is in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. He's wanting us to rejoice in the ecstasy of fidelity, that it's just her and me. Because it's those things in that intimate relationship that sets it apart. Because I engage in none of that with anybody else, nor is there even the potential that that's going to happen. I need to be focused with my spouse that the intimacy would be at the forefront of my life because that's, as I've said so many times before, the glue that holds us together. And so the ecstasy of fidelity, the delighting in our differences, I'm glad that God made me a man and I'm really glad that he made her a woman. The elation of enjoying one another. Taking those times to just simply enjoy one another. You guys sent us away not too long ago. We went up to Big Bear for a week, and you guys graciously gave us that time together. And again, it was just a blessing just to spend time together. What did we do? What we did wasn't really important. You know, we went, you know, to shops and stuff like that and just did that stuff, but it was just the time together that was so valuable and, and so precious. We went to visit her sister up in Sacramento area, which is about a six-hour drive, seven if you drive the speed limit. Um, but it was just the time in the car. So problem, if some of our time capsules were open today, would you find it filled with affection or is there indifference of that same person that's always at your house, that same person that wakes up in your bed every day, the same person that maybe you take for granted? Is there engagement or is there isolation? Are you giving of yourself, your time and your attention? Are you truly focusing upon your spouse and your spouse's situation and, and the things that, that are truly, really important to them and, and equally sharing the things that are equally important to you? Affection, indifference, engagement, isolation, intimacy, or frustration? Are you frustrated when it comes to intimacy within your, your, your life, in your, in your married life? If you are, you need to backtrack affection and engagement because intimacy only comes when those things occur. Affection, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Engagement, that son came in the fullness of time in order to save souls, and which he did for us. And then intimacy, we now have Christ within us. And as it plays out through the Lord Jesus Christ, how much more so should these things play out in our lives? That again, affection, that I would give of my attention, engagement, that I would be there with body, soul, and spirit, then intimacy, that yes, we would come together in that manner. All things that will build a legacy. But what does your legacy say about you? Now, as pastor, I'm front and center in many personal aspects of people's lives. The probably two greatest are funerals and marriages. Now, I've had some funerals that sure seemed like marriages. We just experienced one with Alan Jones, uh, Paul and Joanne's father, not too long ago. This man who served the Lord. This man who loved Jesus Christ and left a legacy. I mean, in, in my life, from my perspective of him, we didn't, I didn't hang out with Alan, but, but he was an inspiration to me. And that time, that couple weeks ago, that I had the opportunity to officiate over his funeral, 
It was like a marriage. Now, I've seen some marriages that are a lot like funerals. Some that died and, well, they were pretty much dead while they were still living. And it's not that they couldn't be resuscitated. Matter of fact, they could, but just the effort wasn't put back in. Now, if there was somebody who fell down and was having a heart attack and you had the reverberator, you would need to put forth the effort and reverberate him. Matter of fact, I don't remember what it's called, Good Samaritan Law or something like that. If you see somebody and you have the opportunity to help them, then you could be prosecuted for that if you don't. Well, how much more so in your marriage? Does your marriage need to be reverberated? Does it need to be shocked back to life? What are you doing to see that that happens? Because again, if you come in my office, I'll hold you accountable, especially if you're the man, especially if you're the spiritual leader. So memories will never develop into effective legacies without seasoning the ingredients of your capsule. And that's what I want to spend the time that I have looking at that. Why? Well, Richard said it in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse, I'm sorry, 13, verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all. Honorable, it is highly respected. It is highly respected. Now, this is the word of God. So if marriage is highly respected by God, how much more so should I have this respect for marriage? But not just marriage in general. Are you holding your marriage with a deep respect? With a deep respect. Not before me or anybody else, because we can so easily put on the show, but before God. Or are you taking it for granted? Are you honoring your marriage before God or are you taking it for granted? Are you honoring your marriage before God or are you taking it for granted? Maybe I can run for president like Rubio does and keep repeating myself. I'm just kidding. I'm not getting political. But seriously, I, I want it to have impact here because, again, I don't want... you know I, I, I got... 25 minutes before we eat or so. I don't want to waste the time. And I pray that you don't want to waste the time because this time can be valuable, not because of what Mike has to say, but what God has to say to you today. And so is your marriage, are you honoring your marriage before God, holy? Or are you just taking it for granted and are you skating by? Because that's disrespecting your marriage. Well, I'm not going to divorce. That's disrespecting your marriage. God commands that our marriage flourish. God commands that our marriage would be all that he would have them be. God commands you to not detract from that. God tells you to not take your spouse for granted. God wants you to value your marriage and value your spouse, and then you will see him, if you do, you will see him do great things. So if you highly respect your marriage you will season it with the following things. Now, if I had you make a list of these things without telling you what these things are, most of you would probably get most of them. You've heard them before. But don't let it get past you. Don't let it, matter of fact, you heard some of them before an hour ago. But don't let it get past you. I want to be a little bit more direct in some of these things. First, learn to season your marriage with a reverence for God's word. If you truly reverence God's word, you'll get into God's word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says, All scripture, the whole Bible, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
that the marriage of God, the man of God, but the marriage of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Is your marriage complete? Is it maturing? Is it equipped for every good work that God would have? The only way to see that it is, is that your marriage would be renewed daily in the Word of God. Now, I would imagine here, if I would, have, if I would ask for a raising of hands, which I'm not, are you in the Word every day? I think the majority of the people would raise their hand. Now, I think if I would ask, are you in the Word together every single day? I think the minority of us would raise our hands. I have done both. I have not been in the Word with my spouse, and I have been in the Word with my spouse, and being in the Word with my spouse is better. It's so much better because God speaks to us through His Word and how much more so since marriage is the most honorable thing that I have in my life other than my relationship with Jesus Christ, how much more so is He going to do that? And I can't tell you how many mature, at least have the appearance of being mature Christians, are not in the Word with their spouse. I think being in the Word with your spouse even supersedes being in the Word by yourself. Now, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is more important than your corporate relationship with Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I would say you can't have a corporate unless you have a personal. But nonetheless, if the two have become one, you need to be in the Word together. My wife and I, we went through the, uh, I can never remember, what's the name of the book we went Daily Light last year. And it's just the word, we just sit there and we just read it and we pray. We do that every single day for the most part. Maybe one or two days out of the year we didn't do it, retreats, conferences and all of that, but nonetheless. And now we have a Timothy Keller book of, that, is he, that as he goes through Psalms that we are getting together into that word. Now it's not a devotional that just speaks about the word, it is the word and then it talks about the word, but we are in the word every day. If you're not in the word every day together, then your marriage is not going to be all that it can be. You need to be able to put that into the time capsule. Because again, it's going to be that which is going to develop the legacy. The legacy is not going to develop upon your abilities or your good ideas. The foundation has to be the foundation that is the foundation for everything we do. It has to be the Word of God. And if it's the Word of God, then you're going to see things change because the Word of God... well. Its source is from God, and its ability is the ability to change lives and refine marriages. Every time you read the Word of God, every time you study the Word of God, every time you are taught the Word of God, you should expect something to happen. What did Richard say? It's living and it's powerful. And what it means by living, it's going to meet you and your spouse exactly where you are at. And if that, is being, if that is truly the case, then the hurts in my marriage, the hard parts in my marriage, the frustrating parts in my marriage, God